in some of the northern parts of Africa and to the Middle East and stuff like that, Avgas planning becomes absolutely critical, right? Welcome to Flying BC, a podcast about the people, planes, and aviation adventures in British Columbia and Canada, with your host, Warwick Patterson. Welcome to episode 25 of the Flying BC podcast. If you hear some engine noise behind me, some airplanes flying overhead, that's because I'm recording this from under the wing at Oshkosh, sitting on the flight line here, about eight in the morning on Saturday. And we've got a bunch of arrivals starting to come in. Quiet so far. Um, yesterday was pretty busy. There's a storm coming in today. So I think everybody was trying to scooch in. So vintage certainly filled up where I'm at. If you're at Oshkosh this week, I'm uh, camped out row 67 in vintage. Come find me and uh, we can we can hang out and watch planes go by and yeah basically have a great old time out here i've already met a lot of people here um it's been a we, we took two days to fly out um it was a great trip 30 mile an hour tailwinds the whole way blue skies no thunderstorms through the planes so that was a nice surprise and um yeah beautiful weather so far there's a little bit of lightning on the horizon last night and they're calling for a storm tonight with a fair bit of rain, but wouldn't be Oshkosh without uh, some slosh, right? So I've actually got a couple episodes already recorded, and today I'm speaking with the Porter family. And you may have seen them online, Five in the Sky. They are flying around the world as a family. They're taking over a year to do it. They've got an air van. And they're actually going to be arriving here in Oshkosh, I think either today or tomorrow. So we'll catch up with them again. But yeah, on this episode, we talked to Samantha and Ian Porter from Five in the Sky. Ian and Samantha from Five in the Sky, welcome to Flying BC. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Um, so first off, let's just start off. Uh, tell us all about this project you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, basically, we've uh, we're, we as a family, family of five, are going to fly a single-engine airplane uh, around the world, and uh, we're taking 14 months, leaving from Vancouver, and uh, yeah, looking forward to having a you know a, a really really cool expedition, and uh, and as part of the expedition, we have also partnered with a, a charity, a, a global charity, to uh, hopefully raise a million for them which is a real integral part of the whole uh, expedition as well awesome and you guys are leaving vancouver this wednesday i think yeah that's right so basically uh there's five of us who would mention in total is myself uh, my wife michelle and our three kids basically samantha 21 sydney who's 18 and christopher who's uh, 15 and our middle daughter sydney she has to stay and finish high school basically for the end of the month and uh so michelle's staying with her so when we leave vancouver on wednesday uh there'll be three of us in the plane leaving right then and we'll be picking up uh sydney and michelle actually in newfoundland on the complete opposite side of the country <laughs> nice um so what's sort of the genesis story of this um you're a pilot samantha you're a pilot and i think sydney's a pilot too um so tell, tell us how this is all going to work and how, how the idea came about. 
Well, I'll probably address how the idea came about. I mean, as you'd mentioned, I've been a pilot uh, since in my sort of teenage years. I learned to fly in Ontario in a little uh, on a little dirt strip, and uh, I guess made the decision. I, I was I was trying to decide whether to do flying as a career or just a non-career, and it was really it came down to almost a coin toss, and the coin toss ended up not being to become a professional pilot. And so, you know, I did what a lot of people did, uh, you know, do, or should say do after they get their pilot's license fairly young. I, I had to put it on hold for quite a while since I couldn't afford to, to go flying on a regular basis. Um, and that was out in Ontario. When I moved to BC, I actually got very heavily involved in flying paragliders. And so I spent many years flying paragliders and I still do actually. And, you know, I had a great time flying them basically all over the world and all over BC. And, and uh, that sort of transitioned into flying fixed wing gliders. So I fixed through, you know, gliders for a while. And then sort of finally at the end of that uh, circle, I would call it, I got back into flying fixed wing airplanes again. And, um, you know, and so probably like any aviator, I've always loved to, you know, think or dream about maybe flying around the world or flying long distance and uh, then as you mentioned I mean Samantha and Sydney I didn't you know I was not interested in pushing them into it but I certainly made a suggestion that they should uh, you know maybe go out and take some flight lessons and just give it a try right see if they liked it or not so I'll hand it over to Samantha now and she can tell you that piece. Yeah I mean at the start of COVID um, we weren't spending as much time in Vancouver where there was lockdowns and everything was happening. And my sister and I were kind of feeling a little bit lost in like what was happening with school and everything going on. And my dad suggested that we take an intro flight and go up, see what it was like, see if we enjoyed it. We've always been around aviation, paragliding, flying, like my dad has been doing for so long. So it's always been like a part of our life, but not we haven't been directly involved in it. Um, so my sister and I went up for familiarization flight and we absolutely loved it <laughs> and it was really fun and then kind of the rest was history we started flying more throughout covid we had the opportunity to fly with a freelance instructor which really made it a lot better during like such a tough time with flight schools and flight instructors it was a crazy time throughout covid and yeah so my sister and I actually went through like the entire process of getting our pilot's licenses together we started on the exact same day um, almost finished or got got our pilot's licenses on the same day. The one thing we didn't do on the same day was solo, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so we kind of have been through this whole process together, which is really awesome. Like as two sisters being able to like go through this and like compare our whole perspectives on everything. It's been really fun. And, and as Samantha mentioned, I mean, we did the flight train or they did the flight training with a freelance instructor. And what that allowed us to do was um, during their flight training, we actually did a couple of cross countries. One of them was basically up to the Yukon uh, for a few days. And then the other one was actually across Canada. So okay. during their flight training, they did it across Canada flight and I flew my airplane with them. And uh, so they got some pretty good real life experience. I think it was 46 different airports landed at. Uh, that's, that's... Um, we didn't quite make it all the way to Newfoundland. Newfoundland at that time was still uh, in COVID lockdown, so we couldn't get in, which was 100% understandable. Um, but anyway, so they've got some real good, uh, good experience from doing those, those types of flights. Yeah, you can't beat that for a real-world experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to mention as well, I mean, part of the whole genesis of this trip is that, um, you know, I had done some, you know, some fairly, you know, kind of adventurous um, flying trips. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I joined a couple of other flying trips, one in, in South America and one around Alaska. 
And anytime I was in any of these kinds of trips or expeditions, I was always sort of had two feelings. And one of them was, boy, I really wish I could slow down a little and spend a little bit more time in some of these places. I mean, we'd, you know, we'd sort of overnight gas and go, so to speak. And then the second feeling was, you know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, I could share this experience with a family? And that really was kind of like the, I don't know if it was a light bulb moment, but the, the, you know, the basis of coming up with this thing going, you know, boy, oh boy, wouldn't it be great if we could fly and do a long distance trip and we could take a bit of extra, we could take a little bit more time than people normally do and we could take the whole family. And that's really kind of where the idea started from. And then I'm going, well, if we're going to do a long trip, I mean, the ideal long trip is hell, right? Around the world. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I took Michelle out for dinner one night and, uh, you know, had a bottle of wine before I, <laughs> I dropped the question. And, uh, hey, how about, uh, how about we take the kids and we take a year off and we fly around the world? And, uh, and you know what, she, you know, she had obviously some questions, but she was overall on side. So we kind of like floated the idea to the kids. And uh, again, obviously, I'd say there's probably some, some questions, some reservations at first, but after we sort of dig, dug into it a bit more, I mean, everybody was basically on side. So, you know, we looked at uh, the timing wise, and frankly, the timing worked out actually quite well because uh, Samantha's taken a gap year between third and fourth year university at UBC. Sydney, as I've mentioned, is just graduating from high school and she's going to take a gap year before she goes to university. She's planning on going to Queens, I believe. And then Christopher is going from grade nine into grade 10 and he'll do, be able to do grade 10 on the road or in the sky, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, <laughs> so the time it worked out okay. So we said, you know what, you know, the, this all starts to make sense, so let's do it. <laughs> yeah. But then we needed an airplane, which is the next step of the story. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a question I was going to ask. You guys found an air van, which is not that common here, uh, but you actually found it locally. Yeah, 100%. So what I did as kind of an aviation kind of geeky guy would do is I sat down going, okay, what kind of airplane do we need or do we want or or could we get and all that kind of stuff. And I made my little lists. And, and frankly, and I mean, as, as, as you would know and, and most you know pilots would know, but probably the general public doesn't know as well is that, you know, an airplane might have six seats, but it doesn't mean you can actually take six people, right? And you can fill it up. So what we needed was an airplane that, you know, that checked a bunch of boxes. And first of all, you know, was safe and, and a quality uh, airplane. Second of all, we could actually put five people in five seats, full fuel, and also carry, you know, a reasonable amount of gear. And, you know, when you start putting that criteria on it, um, the, the, the path narrows down fairly quickly, right? And we were looking at two Cessna 206s, and, uh, but I'd kind of always had, uh, from going through that process, high on the list, the Gypsera air van. And sorry, I should add as well, we also wanted a plane that was, that was you know, stable and safe and relatively low performance. I mean, so Samantha and Sydney could help out on the fly-in and was also capable of going into, you know, smaller strips and gravel and grass and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and so we kind of looked and said, you know, the air van seems to be like a, a really good option there. And then as you mentioned, lo and behold, I mean, during this process, one comes for sale in, uh, in Boundary Bay. <laughs> so we kind of took that as a, okay, it's now a time to, uh, you know, make a decision or get off the pot, as they say. And so we, uh, you know, we kind of hummed and hawed and went around a little bit and then said, okay, well, maybe this is a sign we're going to go for it, right? So we, uh, we, we grabbed the plane and uh, that really made it 
that made it real, right? It made it really committed that we were going to do this thing. So, uh, yeah, and so it's a 2013 uh, Gypsera Airvan, G8 Airvan. And uh, again, it checks all those boxes. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's robust, relatively simple to operate, safe, you know, easily field maintainable. And uh, I think it sort of does everything fairly well, except for go fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, get to, you get to see the sights. Yeah. yeah, and that's and that really is one of the our key criteria on this on this whole expedition. I mean, I mean, I keep telling people we're going to go low and slow, right? We're going 100% VFR, low and slow, and we're going to take our time. We have got 14 months, but that's the ethos of the whole expedition is to is to stop and you know interact with people, see the sights, take our time. And what I'd say as well is, and that's 100% directly related into safety, which is obviously something that everybody's interested in. Certainly, everybody wants to talk to us about, which is, uh, you know, which makes complete sense. And that taking that time and having that flexibility to me is 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 really our number one safety um, um, criteria. Yeah, no rush to beat weather or anything. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 So Samantha, can you tell us where? you guys are going because it's not just a west east round of the world you're going up and down side to side <laughs> yeah so in the first two weeks or round numbers two weeks before my sister and my mom come out and meet us we're actually going to be leaving vancouver or pit meadows and heading north hopefully following if weather holds up hopefully following the coast route heading up panhandle up towards the yukon and then out east towards the Northwest Territories, further out east towards Tuktoyaktuk. So we're going to be in the midnight oh, cool. sun on the Arctic Ocean, which is going to be really exciting and awesome. Never been able to see the midnight sun before, so that will be pretty cool, being able to fly VFR in the absolute middle of the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then continuing heading east, we're going to go down to Churchill, Manitoba. We're going to be kind of hopping along down there and seeing where we can head. Um, following down under the Hudson's Bay, and then just continuing out east towards the Maritimes and meeting up with my sister and my mom in Newfoundland eventually. And then from there, we will be making our way down to Oshkosh, where we'll be oh, spending cool. a week manning a booth yep. Yep. for SOS Children's Villages and hopefully raising some donations because that is a key part of this expedition, <laughs> which we awesome. will awesome. make happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see you there. I'll be there for the first half of the week. Awesome. Yeah. So from there you go south, South America, I think I looked, and then back up again, and then you go to Europe. I mean, just backing up a bit, our original our original plan for this expedition was actually quite different than this. We had originally planned it last fall that our first stage would be across Canada, then actually crossing the North Atlantic, Greenland, Iceland, into Europe, spend a month or so in Europe, and then we were actually planning six weeks to fly across Russia. And then come yeah, back yeah. through Alaska to Vancouver and then circle South America for obvious reasons. I mean, that's completely gone out the window right now. So so that's how we reset, you know, the, the stage to, you know, basically fry across Canada, then down, as Samantha just mentioned. Uh, and uh, probably the only, you know, the only part on that that maybe is not ideal is that we end up going through the Caribbean in August and, you know. It's going to be hot yeah. and humid, and uh, you know <laughs> the good thing about uh, the hurricanes is you can see them coming quite a long way away. So uh, right, we can right. hopefully dodge any hurricanes. Um, but I think once we're into uh, into the northern 
part of South America. I mean, it's actually back to really perfect timing, frankly. And our and our hope and expectation has always been to try to be in sort of spring-like weather everywhere we go. Um, obviously for, you know, the flight safety, but also avoiding the peak summer seasons. Because, you know, I mean, I tell a lot of people, I mean, the, the there's the aviation logistics involved in this expedition. But frankly, those are much uh, easier to handle than the actual accommodation and, and taking a family of five, you know, when COVID still is around, crossing borders and finding accommodation basically with... Uh, with very little lead time. So that side of it actually is really important. And so we, we've we got to try and avoid the peak travel seasons if we can in all places, but at the same time, you know, be in, in reasonable weather, so. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like it's one thing flying with like, flying solo around the world or flying with like one or two people, but like as a family, the dynamics completely change. There's now five opinions, five mouths to feed, five people wanting to do maybe different things. So like, the actual, literally, as my dad was saying, yeah, the logistics just add on top of one another. But yeah. I was, was going to say, you guys must have a pretty good family dynamic um, to all cram yourselves into one plane and go for a year. Yeah, I'd say we do. We've done a lot of traveling in the past, so the traveling aspect of it is nothing necessarily new to us, but definitely being in one plane together will be, <laughs> will be different. Um, but yeah, we're just taking it day by day and it'll be awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and the thing is as well, actually, I mean, uh, somebody else was asking the other day about, you know, the, the flight component of it. And actually, you know, if you look at over the whole expedition, I mean, it aver- it'll average out to a little bit over an hour per day in the airplane. Mm-hmm. Obviously not flying every day, but, you know, and our hope and expectation is, you know, to sort of fly for two to three days and then we'll have, you know, multiple days five to seven days maybe where we can stay somewhere and actually you know do something Mm -hmm. and so you know the time in the airplane is is actually probably the least um not worrisome but you know stressful part i mean i i think you know particularly when you get into second and third world countries um you know the crossing of the borders but also the getting the flight permissions which we take for granted here i mean it's quite easy to jump in a plane and fly across canada and you just kind of gas and go and uh but most countries require a whole bunch more flight planning and forms filled out in triplicate or quadruplicate or whatever the word is and or even more and stamped and double stamped and a fee paid and round and round so you know you can literally spend three hours uh you know at the airport doing paperwork to do an hour flight and I think that's the place, actually, the part of the whole thing where, you know, if there's a place where it gets stressful or trying is uh, is dealing with that, you know, getting in the plane and going flying is going to be the relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good trip to teach patrons. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in regards to flying, what's sort of the biggest challenge you guys are trying to work out or you're going to face on this trip? Well, initially, I'd feel like our first challenge with flying would be the route change. That definitely, definitely added some extra complications having to completely switch around our route. But now that we have that figured out, I... Yeah, I mean, I think it it goes back to all the normal, you know, the normal uh, criteria around doing any flight. I mean, it's it's flight planning, uh, weather... And another big one, which again, we, we, well, I guess we do take, have some issues here with, which is availability of Avgas. And, um, and now actually, again, with what's going on in the world, the price of Avgas, you know, is, is another big uh, factor. So weather is, co- is a constant. 
Um, up in northern Canada, I don't know if you've flown up there much. I mean, you know, we still have okay available of Avgas. It's not perfect, but you can certainly um, string together some, some pretty neat routes and have availability of Avgas. Um, and, um, and actually, I think around South America, it's not much of an issue as well. I mean, Avgas is readily available in, in, a, in a lot of places and certainly within uh, a comfortable range of, of the air van, which is you know, 600 nautical miles plus or minus. Um, certainly when we get into the second stage where we're, we're looking and we're flying, you know, in some of the northern parts of Africa and to the Middle East and stuff like that, Avgas planning becomes absolutely critical, right, to right, right. know that there's actually even availability. Um, so again, that's often the future quite a ways. So um, in the short term, yeah, I don't think uh, it's as big an issue. Is there any big water stretches you have to cross? And- well... Not, not really. I mean, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be doing long, long water crossings. I mean, uh, the intent uh, for the North Atlantic is to basically go north and then come back down. Uh, you know, sort of island hop or excuse me, airport hop down the, the the coast of Greenland. I think the longest route over open water or the longest stretch over open water on that part of the route, <clears throat> excuse me, is maybe a couple of hundred nautical miles. So not insignificant, but. Uh, but uh, very doable. We're carrying, by the way, I mean, a, a life raft and obviously life jackets and a, and a whole complement of survival gear. Um, finishing off the route, um, you know, coming then the, the initial plan or the plan still is to end up crossing Eastern Russia, Japan through Eastern Russia across the Bering Strait. The Bering Strait, I think, is only 60 nautical miles. I mean, so now that as of today is still a big question mark, obviously, on our route that, you know, we or nobody else can answer what's going to happen there. So, I mean, we just hope that, you know, things get resolved for, well, not just for our sake, but for everybody's sake. Um, if they don't and we can't do that route, then, yeah, that, that would necessitate a different options in which, of which the, the water cross and length and stuff like that increases significantly. And we have to look at those. And quite frankly, today, we don't have a great... A great option there but uh we're not worried about that right now <laughs> no, no. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> all right so how do people follow you and support the mission and um yeah where do people find you yeah well actually and maybe just on that maybe very maybe a quick note on sos children's villages oh, yes. who nice. ultimately is uh is the the group that we're partnering with to support and we're going to attempt to raise a million dollars for them and SOS Children's Villages, if you get a chance to look, and I get a chance to look, I mean, they got a great web presence. They're, and, and the criteria we wanted to work with a group around was that they had a Canadian presence, but they also had a global presence because we were flying, obviously, all around the world. And that they focused their efforts on families and family strengthening and children. Again, we saw a lot of commonalities with our own family on that. And that, uh, you know, we wanted an organization that sort of was very financially transparent and solid and uh, also one that was non-secular and non-denominational because we're traveling in many different countries and they're operating in many different countries. So SOS Children's Villages effectively checked all of those boxes. They've been around since just after the Second World War. They operate uh, supporting, you know, orphaned and underprivileged children in about 136 countries around the world, including including an operation in B.C., in Surrey. And uh, again, they do a phenomenal job, uh, 
creating a family environment for underprivileged and orphaned children all around the world. And we will be stopping off in SOS Children's Villages locations in many, many of the countries we go to uh, around the world and again, helping to support them. So like I said, we're trying to raise a million dollars to support their programs. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a social media Luddite. I can't do too much, but thankfully we have three very social media savvy kids along for the ride. There'll be and lots of coverage. So, coverage. Yeah, and so we, we have a, a we, by the way, we, we've named our expedition Five in the Sky. So our website's www.fiveinthesky.com. Samantha, you can tell about all the social media channels that go along with that. Yeah, so we have quite a few social media channels and we're kind of going to be posting on all of them. Uh, usually around the same content. I think our one like main hub is going to be mainly YouTube and Instagram. Then we'll have like TikTok. They're all fly five in the sky. And yeah, it's all basically going to be shared on all those things. But we're going to be doing lots of like vlog style or different informational educational videos, just showing what we're up to, taking everyone along on the trip with us. We want everyone to be a part of it. That's a really big part of our expedition, like sharing it, sharing all the things we're up to, showing cool parts of the world, meeting people and donating to SOS Children's Villages. Of course, we have links to that for on all of our stuff. And yeah, so cool. follow us. <laughs> yeah, I'll put links to all that in the show notes too, so people can find it. Perfect, thank you. Cool, well, um, enjoy the first part of the trip and then once everybody's together and we'll catch up at Oshkosh. And, um, no, that sounds great, yeah. Looking forward to it. Fantastic year. Fantastic year. <laughs> great, yeah. thank you. Yeah.